Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids and we were already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers. Start yelling at people. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politics on the Fight Life Feast Network. Pastor Toby Shocknox on the Water Boy. It's good to be with you. Have you signed up for the Con- Ark Encounter Conference in October yet? Um hey, That was uh, a question. Where, that was a question. Where where you, you answer answer me in the comments. Mecca. In the comments. What, okay. Where pe- can people get these? They these, get uh, rowdychristian.com. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, rowdychristian.com. No, the orange is bright them. enough. Yeah. It's you don't Protestant have to, yeah. orange. It's Protestant uh, orange. That's, yes. a, that's, that's Mecca. You didn't tell Protestant me we orange. were going we to wear Protestant orange today. I wore my, Your my, purple. my, my red, my, my, my red burgundy shirt. Is that red? Shirt. That's purple. Dude, it's burgundy. No, that is not. It's oh, no. It's only on the red side, though. Pur- oh. mm. Yeah, he's colorblind, too. Hey, yeah. put in the comment section. It's purple. Whoever puts the most purple in wins. Neil, make sure you doctor it up and post. <laughs> this year, our Fight, Laugh, Feast conference is at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky and the politics of six-day creation. The politics of six-day creation is the difference between a fixed standard of justice on the one hand and a careening standard of justice on the other, which is not really a standard of justice at all. The difference between the corrosive relativism that creates mobs and animals Anarchy on that on the one hand and the freedom of objectivity, truth and due process. All of this is built off of the fact that God made the world in six days and all very good. Politics of six day creation establishes the authority and sufficiency of God's word for all of life from what is a man? What is a woman? When does human life begin? How is human society best organized? So come out and hear is America a Christian. Yeah, that, I mean, come come here, Ken Ham, Pastor Doug Wilson, Doctor Ben Merkel, Doctor Gordon Wilson, Joe Rigney. I'll be there. the 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 crew will be there. We'll be doing a live show, of course, on Saturday afternoon. Market calendars for October 11th through the 14th as we fight, laugh, and feast with beer and psalms. Our amazing lineup of speakers. A rowdy Christian merch. We're, we'll probably have piles of these hats, right? Yes, yeah, right at the, at, the, at, the, at the conference. But why would you want to wait till October to get your hat? Uh, of course, we wrap it all up with a Sabbath feast. Uh, maybe even for our brother Joel Webbin, an infant baptism or two while we're at it. Visit fightlaughfeast.com for more information today. Did, Joel, I, you, did uh, I mention Joel Webbin? I was going to say, yeah, Joel, are you coming to the conference this year? Uh, my wife, my parents, my children, <gasps> we will all be there. Wow. We wouldn't miss it for the world. Did you say the Covenant family is going to be there? I'm so happy to hear that. That's right. That praise the whole the house. He said, "As for me and my house, yes, we're, <laughs> we're going to be the Ark Encounter. That's right. That's right. As that's right. for me and my house, we want to see the animals in Noah's Ark. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Pastor Joel Webin is, the and and we're going to get we're going to get in the Ark. Yeah, and and it is a type of Christ, right? And it is for the saving of our household. Whoa, per whoa. 
Hebrews 11. So, oh, Lord, have um, mercy. Yeah. Come oh, on, Jesus. <laughs> Do it, Lord. Hallelujah. Right. right. Glory. Everyone, everybody in that ark only got sprinkled. <laughs> uh, Joel Webbin is the senior pastor of Covenant Bible Church in Georgetown, Texas. You can find the website covenantbible.org. And he is president of Right Response Ministries, uh, rightresponseministries.com. He lives in Central Texas with his whole household, his wife and his four kids. Um, and when he's not doing all those other things, he's, he just sits there for the, um, you know, uh, I don't always, but when I do meme, that's the, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's, yeah. Bas- that's basically what he does right there. That's right funny. there. Right there. That's funny. Joel, that's pretty, um, that's pretty much it. Thanks for coming back on cross politics. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I don't always write statements on Christian nationalism, but when I do, <laughs> I steal people's font. <laughs> now that wasn't that wasn't my decision to be honest. You know, but okay. that's the way the you brought goes. it up. You brought it up. We got to talk about it. What the heck were you guys doing, bro? Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, so you know, I you know, we were talking a little bit offline, you guys and myself, and one of the things that we were told in this whole Twitter spat, which you know, you can say that this is not fruitful. I, I think that Twitter is probably one one of the last bastions of free speech uh, that we have, and we'll see what happens with you know the CEO hire from you know from uh, Elon. But anyways, it, it is the public square, and uh, it's not great for dissertations and for making long, you know, biblically thorough arguments, but it, it is helpful, I think, not necessarily in winning over an opponent, but for everyone on the sidelines watching. And uh, and so, for one, I'd like, to, you know, the record to say that, um, that the Christian nationalist game did not start the, the Twitter war over this topic. Um, and Scott Aniel would admit that himself. He started it by saying uh, that if you're a Baptist, you can't be about Christendom. If you're a Baptist, you can't be a Christian nationalist. If you're a Baptist, um, then you must believe that Christian culture, um, that it is nominal, it's hurtful, that ultimately Christian culture is going to produce nominal seminaries, nominal pastors, nominal churches, and it's going to lead towards nominal Christians, many of them Christian in name only, professing Christians that aren't actually regenerate. Their, their, their position to give credence to their position and not just straw man. Um, they're concerned about, about regeneration. And I think they legitimately think that Christendom, um, they, they think that persecution and coliseums and being fed to lions produce, it racks up more numbers of regenerate hearts. And in a Christian nation with Christian culture and Christendom is going to lend towards um, a lack of purity in our doctrine, in our gospel, in our preaching, and therefore a lower number of regenerate hearts. Now, they don't consistently apply that in their parenting. They catechize their kids. They don't put them in public schools, right? So they they have a robust Christian culture in their homes, not thinking that it's going to lend towards a likelihood of their kids not being saved. And so we're just trying to draw out those cons- inconsistencies. Uh, and and so what happened was, you know, I am a Baptist minister. People know that I, I'm pastoring a Baptist Reformed Baptist church. And so if somebody who is, you know, ironically a, a, a bit of a Protestant pope says that Baptists are not allowed to do this, uh, th- this theology is incompatible with the Baptist theological framework. Um, everybody knows that I'm a Baptist, and everybody knows that I, I, I just held the, the literally I just held the Theonomy and Postmillennialism conference. Right. So so I didn't feel like I had an option of not of not responding, and so it's it's been Baptists responding to uh, the G three brothers who are faithful brothers in so many regards, and simply saying, okay, if you just shared your position, that that'd be one thing. But the initial statement that was made multiple times in multiple ways that started the whole 
quarrel, the whole, you know, the whole division here is um, that Baptists can't do this. So what you have is a bunch of Baptists saying we can, and then you got Wilson, right? The, the gasoline on the fire, good gasoline, I might add, but him, you know, with his, you know, that time Virginia flogged a Baptist. And at the end of his article, he said, really, there's three options. Either Baptist, um, you may not have the, the historic political theology in your camp, um, and there's certain reasons why doctrinal reasons, historic reasons, uh, but you either need to do the work or uh, you need to stop being a Baptist because at the end of the day, Christians, regardless of the denomination, should care more about uh, making sure children aren't murdered than making sure children aren't baptized. Mm. And I thought that was a good word. So I'm just, you know, looking at Doug Wilson as a spiritual father and saying, yes, sir, um, I'm going to do the work. So here we come, you know, making our little statement, you know, putting it together and trying to do the work uh, because Doug Wilson is right. And the G3 guys are saying, hey, we're talking past each other. You know, uh, define your terms. We need Bible. We need. Cl okay, so here's your Bible. Here's your terms. Uh, but they did not appreciate the font. And so here we are. <laughs> well, did you get statement on Christian nationalism.com? So if you're watching, you're listening, you're wondering what he's talking about, statement on Christian nationalism.com. You can read this is a draft version, it says, Joel. Um, right, right. So check it out. Did you guys intentionally use the font? Come on, Joe. Tell the truth. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Now, I I didn't. I was not a part of that decision. That was a decision that was made in the middle of the night, literally right before we dropped at 6 a.m. So I at first, I got to give a shout out to James. I believe it's Silberman is the way that you say his name, um, last name, and then Dusty Deavers. Um, they are both abolitionists. And so if you read the statement, I mean, honestly, 90% of it is it's it's just abolitionist uh, language, and so it's 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 theonomic. It's general equity theonomy taken from um, all the you know the push uh, with the abolitionist movement, and then applying that to Christian nations. And so it's not novel. And for G three, they they've entered into that position of um, that the abolitionist position recently, just in the last couple of years, and partnered with Durbin and other guys to get yeah. abolitionist bills into you know in the state of Georgia where Josh Bice is, and so. We knew that one, that we're convicted of this position. We think it's right. Two, it shouldn't be alarming to guys who who are using this kind of theology themselves. And so, so we you know put that together. Um, James Silverman and Dusty Devers were the lead authors. James did a lot of it. I came in in the twelfth hour. I still get you know one denarii, but I came in in the twelfth hour with William Wolf as editors and kind of shored up. Like I, I worked on um, shoring up a little bit more uh, the definition of what is a nation. That it's not an abstract principle or idea. It is. It is blood and soil. It is people and place. However, I also wanted to be really clear that um, people and place is not defined by a mono ethnic culture. Um, but but there does need to be with those people, their skin pigment doesn't have to be the same. I'm not a kinist, um, but they do need to have a shared history, shared virtues, shared values. Um, those things matter. It's not just an idea. So what is a nation? And then what does it mean for a nation to be explicitly Christian according to according to God's law. And so we, we put that out there last minute. Um, I think William Wolf was the main guy who said G3 use their font. Um, you know, and, and I don't think he was trying to be malicious, um, at all. I think he was trying to be funny. Honestly, I think he was just trying to be funny. And yeah. so, um, so we did that and it was not appreciated, which really was not shocking. Um, I would not have made that decision myself, but that's the way it went. And then we quickly within hours changed the font. Cause we want, I long for a day when, um, when a statement can be judged on the character of its content and not the color of its font. <laughs> I just long for that day. <laughs> That's that was funny. Good. That's funny. <laughs> that was good. 
I'm still stuck uh, back at, go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to, actually, I'm curious. I, I'd like to hear some more about um, the definition of nation. That was exactly where I was going, since, Pastor. Since you worked on this section, I, I got it up here in, in front of me, and, I, and, right. I, and I, um, I just like to hear, I mean, I, it seems to me like on the one hand, I mean, I'd like just to hear some of your concerns in this, but it seems like on the one hand, we do have a, a kind of, um, uh, we, we've bought, the, a lot of modern Christians have bought into a kind of uh, Gnostic multiculturalism. Um, that, that's yes. been fed to us um, by the um, by the secularists, the globalists, and so on, and so that right. we we think our I, our unity and the only thing that unites anyone ever is just ideas in our head, um, uh, some kind of you know spark of the divine inside, even if you define it in Reformed Protestant categories. Um, and of course, there are um, there are a kind of there are kinds of multicultural visions of the expanse of the gospel, the unity that we have in Christ, um, the, the the end of Revelation, all these nations, tribes, na- you know, tongues um, worshiping uh, the King together. And I think that makes us kind of easy targets sometimes for the uh, secular right. globalist, you know, utopian vision. Um, what, what are you seeing in this whole conversation? And of course, on the other side, you've got people saying some really creepy, you know, basically you said Kenist ideas. Um, yeah, some guys, or, or straight up supremacy. and then there are hard Kenists and straight up racist. Yeah. And certainly the Christian nationalism, it's a big tent. The problem with big tents is you get some wackos. So I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, Hey, everybody is, is just great. No, there's some straight up racist guys who are like, I'm a Christian nationalist too. And we're like, no, no, you're not. And and that's why, that's why we took the time to make a statement. And the beauty of the statement that, that we wrote is I've already had multiple guys in the Christian nationalist realm. Um, and some of them, some notable figures um, who have said, I'm not going to sign. I can't sign this um, because it's uh, it's, it's too theonomic, right? So, so one thing is underneath this big tent, you've got the Thomist. Right, which for me, I, I'll partner with him to some level, but eventually Aquinas and and Van Till are going to have to have a showdown because man's reason is what got us into this this spot. And so mm-hmm. uh, there's you know so this statement is it's explicitly um, it's explicitly theonomic and it's very Van Tillian in that regard. So some guys don't like it uh, in that regard, and then other guys they don't like it in the sense that they think it was still too loose. Back to you, Toby, with a definition of what a nation is. They they would like to see it, um, not just people in place, and the, the, those people can be a variety of different cultures and ethnicities and, and backgrounds. They want it to be more shored up with a mono-ethnic kind of, you know, culture and uh, and and that's not my position um so so th- i i feel like we did good in the sense that um anybody who's flirting with pietism um or gnosticism like you mentioned toby does not like um this statement and anybody who's maybe f- flirting a little bit with kinism and thomism does not like this statement which i would call the sweet spot yeah you know joel um i'm, I'm actually wearing my christian nationalist thomas Clarence teacher. That's a different Thomas. Yeah, it's Thomas. Yeah, Thomas. Yeah, you know, Clar- Clarence, Clarence Thomas. I'm a Clarence Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Clarence Thomas. I did that. Yeah. Um. It, you know, it's kind of been interesting to me to watch this conversation happen, where uh, you know, theonomists have kind of had this debate going on for forty years, roughly. Forty. Um, That's it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. Come on, bro. Come on, maybe fifty. You know. You know. I mean, in a serious way, and um. But why is all this Christian nationalism stuff um, and, and the intensity of the debate um, happening so, um, 
so intensely. I repeat the word intense. Um, in 2023, I mean, it, you know, especially Baptists, Baptists are, which I welcome the conversation. Baptists are starting to get so involved in this conversation. Um, but this is, you know, we weren't having these debates as a church 10 years ago. We were having maybe right. pre-mill debates, uh, post-mill, right. um, you know, that kind of stuff. Why is it happening now? I think Baptists are tired of being the cause of transgenderism, you know? <laughs> Baptists, we're just tired of that, you know? Give them, and give so there's, the there's a bit right. of penance, give them the you know? Come on. Come on. <laughs> so uh, so I, I think I, you guys know, you know, but I, I'll say it. Like, and, and I've learned a lot of this stuff from you guys. You guys have been, like, you've been really you've been really good friends like not just like uh gabe you especially chalk Knox, you toby but like offline reaching out you've welcomed me in as a baptist new to the game right like i i've been i've been a theonomist robust theonomist and post-millennial for at least you know 15 16 <laughs> minutes now and so but yeah. you guys haven't treated me that way uh, and and so you've been humble you've been but i think my point is uh, baptist like me because i'm one of them I, I haven't been on this train for 30 years and I want to, I want to continue to acknowledge that and, and show honor where honor is due. Um, I'm very new to the game and what, what red pilled me and all my Baptist, you know, compadres is that uh, the world lost its ever loving mind. We're living in clown world. We're, you're sexually, you know, chemically castrating 14 year old boys. You're, we've got 65 million children that have been murdered in the womb. You've, you can't define the word woman anymore. It's, it's insanity that we're living in. And so what, what's happened is that God, I believe God, because God is, is, is God has spoken in special revelation, but God is still speaking in, in the world because God is sovereign over all of this. And so Calvinists are coming uh, and joining the game. The reason why is what, what I find as a common denominator among the Baptists that are hopping on the CN train is that they're all Calvinists. And what that means is that they believe that God is ultimately sovereign over every molecule in the universe. So they look at clown world and and they look at, at the, that God is speaking, God's saying something in this in this book of 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 the world and His providence and His sovereignty. And what God is saying essentially is that Boomer Con theology has some serious holes in it. Mm. It doesn't hold up to scrutiny. It has not been able to sustain the battering ram of God's sovereign providence over the last few years. Now, it never has, but it especially has shown its weaknesses in these last three years. And a lot of young Baptist men um, are, are, are waking up and saying, well, wait a second, we want to do something. And it could be that we're having this conversation 10 years from now, and all these young Baptist men are Presbyterian. That's entirely possible. But for now, we're not necessarily hopping on board with paedo-baptism, but we're at least hopping on board and saying, uh, no, theology should come out of our fingertips. What we believe, actually, the, the, the church, here's the thing, you know, I, I said it in jest, but the transgender kind of thing with, you know, Baptists, everybody lost their mind. Baptists were offended, you know, and a lot of Baptists like me said, I know what you're saying, and we weren't offended, and, you know, we're, we're good brothers. Yeah. But what you guys were getting at is true, and Baptists need to wake up to this. Maybe not definitively true, but the principle, the church has to recognize that what the church believes, that theology impacts the world. Mm. It does. That's right. Theology mm. impacts the world. So here's the deal. It's either bad theology has a bad impact on the world in a tangible, physical, not just the 17th dimension. That mm. the, the theology actually, it, it, it is, our worship is warfare. And so what we believe, if it's bad, it has a negative tangible impact. If it's good, it has a positive tangible impact. So, um, 
a lot of guys, what they were offended, what I realized is the offense and the backlash that you guys got from that, that even the direction that the offense was coming from, I realized, oh my goodness, it was just another confirmation. We got a problem because the biggest problem here is not uh, people weren't arguing on the on the premise of uh, credo Baptist right. position is biblically faithful and true. Right. That wasn't the objection. Right. The objection was actually um, from a place of pietism and Gnosticism saying, um, how dare you say that the church might actually influence right. the world? That's right. What? Man, that's bars, that's a really good point. That's not man. my... Hey, J- that's so, right. That's J- right, Joel. I, I, here's, I want to go back to the nationalism part, the nation part a little bit. I'm trying to figure out a way to... Yeah, I never it. answered that. I'm sorry. Go, no, go no, ahead. I've got some I, things on that. Okay, good. Because... I'm trying to help some people work through this. I don't think I've worked through it yet. I'm not taking the title Christian nationalist. I'm not putting it on my back yet. I'm a theonomist. I've held that for a long time, but continue to hold that. Um, although, you know, if you, I told somebody, if you want me to choose between Christian nationalism and what we currently have, of course, I'm going, I think it's a false dichotomy, but I'm going Christian nationalism, right? Yeah. And, and But here's my thing. And they're like, oh, a Christian prince comes with Christian nationalism. I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll give you the Christian prince. I'll take a Christian prince. I just want him to be a charismatic guy who speaks in tongues. I want him to do a state of the union dress speaking in tongues. Right now, now everybody fight over that. Okay. (laughs) It'll still be better than the current trash that we have right now. Right. And we can get through and argue. I I could, I'll deal with that, but I'd rather have that argument inside the house. Right. Then be like, well, the atheists and the pagans are running everything. At least we have a Christian. All right. So that's, that's that. But I think part of the concern for a lot of people who have watched political movements over the years historically have an argument here. When you look at the civil rights movement and you say, yeah, we weren't doing a good job treating black people well in America. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. The homosexual movement latched itself onto it. Hijacked it. And hijacked yeah, it. And um, they were a small, small, small minority. Even c- compared the, to the black community. E- exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. even even in America. Right. But yet, because they were there, they were able to manipulate and move the system. So even legally, how do you treat blacks the way that you want to treat everybody else in America and then not bring in the homosexuality with it? And right. and we right. didn't manage that part very well. And it just historically we haven't. So I think people can look at Christian nationalism and say, wait a second, how's your nationalism not take over your Christianity? And then the, right. you, you already have Kenism. By the way, everybody's scared of Kenism. Kenism is rampant in America and everybody is everywhere. So I'm not too uh, afraid of it. Meaning in every ethnic in group. In every ethnic group. Right, right, as soon yeah. as a black girl comes home with a white guy, everybody's looking like, oh. <laughs> well, and, we, and that's just America. But when you think of like on My grandbabies a global ain't going to be black. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah, on a global stage, Japan is Kenist. Of course they are. Sure. So I'm I'm not I'm yeah. not but but the reality is is now it's getting inside of the system where the the laws look like they could be reverting back by the way that we're pushing this new narrative. Right. So right. how do you keep these type of um small When you say reverting, you mean reverting back to like Jim Crow type stuff or what do you mean? I by think reverting? you could. Yeah. yeah you I think, think you that, could. That's the that's the danger you're saying with some Christian nationalists are talking like let's reinstate um, segregation laws. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, because when you start talking about blood and land and stuff, yeah, and then yeah. this is the same problem we had when right. we had the Italians coming over, they didn't have no blood and land and stuff here. How, what makes them be a part of the nation? They had such a hard time. Yeah. Right. Um, well, several fountains yeah. is the answer. Obviously. Says the guy with the Mecca hat yeah. on. <laughs> so how does your nationalism not eat your Christianity up? Right. Great question. Real quick. Did you guys read Age of Entitlement? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We had Christopher oh, yeah. Caldwell on the show. Yeah. 
yeah he, yeah so um it sounds it sounds foreign and it sounds horrible to many you know americans that we've just you know been drinking the kool-aid and you know and, and have a certain way of thinking we've been taught a certain way like you tell people abraham lincoln may not have been the best president and they lose their minds you know and so likewise um yeah i i, I think that uh what happened was this de facto constitution that was placed over the yep. actual constitution without ever having to change it in 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 the in the here and now you know but it it effectively changed the actual constitution and we've been living underneath that ever since the civil rights movement and it and it it opened the door wide wide open for uh lgbtq plus you know ellen ellen nop you know whatever and so uh, i think that that was a mistake i think you know letting good ideas letting virtue win out and and the government not always stepping in big government you know so i like you know toby you've used you know the theocratic libertarian i think that that's a, a really good way of of positing this like let 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 businesses that say uh we don't serve colored people let them go bankrupt for being racist you know what I mean? Rather than 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 having a law enforcing them, to, you know. So I think part of it is is the 1960s did not uh, did not do us any favors. Uh, but in terms of so James White would be you know uh, James White would be worried like how are you going to treat the Baptists right? Chalk is asking you know like how are you going to treat the the black people? You know how are you, that's not what, what what's going to happen here. And I, <laughs> well, okay, go ahead. <laughs> go but ahead. the yeah. point is. The point is there's some big changes between Christendom 1.0 and 2.0. So first, I think people need to uh, realize we're not advocating for going back. We're advocating for going forward. We're not talking about um, uh, trying to uh, get back to exactly the way things were in America or the way they, they were under Constantine or the way that they were with King Alfred. Uh, we believe that, that the church is actually progressing. That's the beauty of post-millennialism is we believe that our theology is sharpening. It took us a thousand years to figure out doctrine of God. It took us the next thousand years to figure out soteriology, you know, and I'd like to think that maybe in this third millennium, one of the things God might be up to with his bride is helping us to figure out Christian ethics and, yeah. and, and that we would actually arrive at a conclusion that's better than we had in the first millennium and better than we had in the second millennium. So one, some of the differences that we have today is one would be Abraham Kuyper. And that's not everything with Kuiper is, you know, gravy, but but the sphere sovereignty concept, uh, that's one of the things that our brothers with G3, they, they don't get, you know, we we, we write a statement, we, we answer a question, we, we retweet, we comment, you know, we say this, we say that. And then again, you know, Josh Bice comes out with a Twitter poll, you know, like, uh, who's in favor of a Protestant Pope? And I'm like... <laughs> No one is saying that. No one is saying that. Um, that that's so one, the difference of spheres, right? So it's uh, I think here's one thing people need to get. There's a, a dynamic difference between an ecclesiocracy and a theocracy. Mm -hmm. Theocracy is inevitable. It's not whether but which. Every state has a God above it, mm -hmm. right? So when we say ecclesiocracy, that's talking about a conflation of two sovereign autonomous spheres of church and state. That would be a church-run state. We don't want the church above the state. We want Christ above the state. Separation of church and state, yay, that's great. Separation of Christ and state, no, that's bad. Because if Christ is absent, absent, 
Um, neutrality does not fill the void, but rather a false god, um, something nefarious, something bad, and it's only a matter of time. Classical liberalism, principled pluralism, uh, principled pluralism is just a euphemism for polytheism. It's just multiple gods. It has not served us well, and these kinds of ideologies and policies, they've only appeared to be successful for really, in the big scheme of human history, a very brief period of time. And what's actually been going on is you have one big ship of Christendom going out to sea and paganism coming into port, but these ships move slowly because God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and so we're still reaping good seed that was sowed by our fathers right before us, and we get all that all that uh, harvest be before it eventually runs out. And so Christendom is moving out to sea, and paganism is moving into port, and it gives these two ships passing in the night. For a moment, they line up. And it's a long moment because God will not be mocked and these things happen slowly. So it's a 60-year moment. It's a 120-year moment, depending how you count. And it makes it look like neutrality is viable. It makes it look like classical liberalism, principled pluralism is a real alternative, that it's a viable solution, but it's not. It's actually one good thing leaving while a really bad thing is coming. And, and you've got the the optic, a momentary optic of, of neutrality that is not actually the case. And so all that being said, my point is, it's not whether but which, uh, if we don't have Christ above the state, the state that's Ephesians 1.22, God has appointed him head of all things. He's uniquely head of the church in the sense that the church is the only entity for which Christ died, but he is not exclusively head of the church. Christ, not Caesar, is head of the church, and Christ, not Caesar, is head of the state. Christ is head of all things, and if you don't have Christ, you don't get neutrality. You get you get sinister, malicious, nefarious, false gods that that hate your people. And so that's that's what we have going on right now. The things that are better for Christendom 2.0 is is sphere sovereignty. That would be one of them, not ecclesiocracy, but theocracy. And and those are the conversations we need to have. And that's why some some guys that 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 are even on our team, you know, maybe more loosely um, but they would say, well, we shouldn't even talk about this because they, we're not anywhere near having a Christian nation. Um, we're not even where, but no, we need to talk about this. Doug Wilson, I think, has been fantastic in saying part of the problem in the days of Constantine is that all of a sudden the church was given in the providence and sovereignty of God, massive power and influence before it had the maturity, before it was ready. So so this is not just um, being ideologues. It's not just a bunch of young men, you know, wearing the Christian nationalist hat. At, you know, talking about whether or not we're going to flog people or execute them, you know, for blasphemy. That that's no, we're, we're having real serious conversation. There are some idiots in the camp for sure, but a lot of us are having real serious conversations because what we're trying to do is shore up our maturity so that if the church is given in God's mercy influence once again, maybe this time we don't screw it up. You know, it's interesting to me that um, there are far more Christians in this land than LGBT activists. Right. That's right. That's right. Which, right. which means it, on the one hand, while apart from God's blessing, apart from God's blessing, this, this ship just continues to go off to sea and, mm -hmm. and goes down um, in, you know, as it's currently headed um, apart from God's blessing. But if God's people turn to him and ask for his blessing and repent of their sins, um, the, we, we could have this land and, 15 minutes. Is there a Bible verse yeah. connected to that? 15, right. Because, yeah. Right. I mean, it's, no, you're I right. Uh, so, because the Christian ship, that's the beauty. 
of that illustration, the Christendom ship is not that far away from the port. Right. It hasn't been leaving for a thousand years. It's been leaving for maybe a hundred years. Yeah. So it can come back. Right. It can come back. It's still close enough. It's in sight. We could wave and say, come back. Right. Exactly. But, but Christians have to say something. We got to do something. I also think that, uh, sorry. I was just going to say, I, I don't know if you quite answered my question because I like you. I'm, I, I want to, can I, can I, you want to push another, can, I, but before I, you do, I'll, first, let, I'll read, let you read, read that ad real quick. And then, and then, oh, you want me to yeah, read an ad? Yeah, yeah, oh then, man, I was, he gonna, just put one ahead. I, I was, was going to ask. I got to say something about Baptists and flogging. Oh, okay. I really okay. have to say oh, something about okay. that. All right. You say that next. I want to hear that, Knox. Do you own a business and write a lot of proposals? If so, you should check out smartpricingtable.com smart pricing table cuts down on back and forth incorporates powerful upsells and allows you to create proposals at lightning speed when you prospect when your prospect is ready they can e-sign and you're off to the races mm -hmm. download their free guide today the profitable proposal blueprint at smartpricingtable.com that's smartpricingtable.com um, Joe, so let me first say this, uh, Baptists, a lot of them are saying, Hey, you know, you Presbyterians, you guys flogged us before. So we're not so happy with this idea, but watching what's happening with the conversation, the ones who are really leading the conversation, Joe, I think are the Baptists. The Baptists are leading the conversation on Christian nationalism. And so if there's anybody mm -hmm. who should be afraid, maybe it's the Presbyterians, it's right. the Presbyterians. <laughs> well, no, it's you're right. And so here's what I want to say about <laughs> okay. this. I'm I just want to say that right now. They need to make, this, and so, well, yeah, go ahead, Joel. This is what you're getting at, and you're absolutely right, Knox. Um, <laughs> this shows you how how much loser theology Baptists have have adopted. Baptists outnumber <laughs> Presbyterians in yeah. America ten to one. Yeah. yeah, and we think that if America became a Christian nation, that Baptists would be the ones getting flogged. That shows <laughs> you how deep the loser theology goes with Baptists. Oh. We haven't we the, oh. the concept of of being having influence, being in positions of authority and power. Uh, the, the the mere concept of winning for a Baptist is so foreign. <laughs> that we think that even outnumbering Presbyterians ten to one, if we became Christian, that Baptists would be in the gulag. Yeah. That, and and that right there, again, getting to the the underlying problem. So yes, let's let's talk about that. How to fix that? Right? James White has a concern about that. That that's legitimate. That's good. I love the conversation, the sweater vest uh, diaries with Doug and James. And we need to talk about it so that we don't commit these same errors again. Yeah, so but again, getting us. down underneath the surface. Why are Baptists so afraid? And I think it's because Baptist theology, in much of its roots, has been pietistic, Gnostic, mm. Mm. and nihilistic. Uh, it, Baptists thrive off of being a minority. And what they didn't realize is that over the last 50 years, arguably more, we have not been a minority for a very long time, but we still are acting. Baptists, they, they want to be independent isolated, atomistic, and they always want to be outnumbered, right? Because that's where Baptist theology thrives, is it like true purity of faith, you know, that, but that's not the reality that we've been living in no. culturally um, here in America for a very long time. And Baptists have not yet caught up theologically to the reality of, of, of where we're currently, what time it is. This is why I've spent so much time, you know, and supporting the guys who are having the fight in the SBC yeah. and founders, because they really are, I've, I've said this before, I don't think people listen to me, Baptist Presbyterians don't really matter in the numbers game at all. Right. Like we don't matter at all, especially like if you look at our sizes here, like CREC, what a couple hundred churches, right? Like, so at the end of the day, 
Baptists are the ones who are kind of leading the culture. Right. They own it right now. Right. And so there's nothing really. I'm like, I'm going to be a little more afraid of what happens when they get the reins. <laughs> well, and, 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 and speaking of that, I, I, maybe this is what you're getting at with your question earlier for Joel on uh, on civil rights. And, sure. And, and, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but this is something from uh, this is on Twitter from this morning from Stephen Wolf. Okay. Um, he, he writes this in a, in a short thread he wrote. Um, CN, Christian nationalism, is a Christian political theory that grounds action in a natural affection arising for the ground itself, having been enlivened by the activity of loved ones. It's not even fundamentally about civil law or even Christendom. Um, I think I got that right. Um, it mm. cuts off at the end there. Uh, show this thread and it doesn't want to come. Anyways, the thing that I the, the thing that I, I noted was he said it's not fundamentally about civil law, it's primarily about natural affection. I and I and I, I wrote this draft of a of a of a retweet that I haven't actually published yet, but I was thinking about this morning. It says I've appreciated this emphasis from Stephen Wolf on love of particular places, events, and people. Mm-hmm. I, do, I yeah. think and that gets back to the the, the nationhood um, piece that we were talking with Joel about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, emphasis on law divorced from particular people and places is Gnostic. And I think that's been a big part of what you've had in the past. And there are certain kinds of ideologues have only thought sort of in these cerebral, you know, you know, 17th dimension theology or even theonomy or whatever Mm. um, categories. But then my, my, my friendly pushback to Stephen is, but unless that love is regulated by the law of God, it will devolve in right. right back into our current pantheistic fascism. But you said love twice. That's right. That's right. I did. <laughs> but I don't know if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> Knox, yes. But, but but it's the notion of if we don't, if, if these things have to go together, we um, how do we love God and our and our and our brother? Well, First John. Notice that I'm right. citing a New Testament passage for all you Andy <laughs> Stanley fans. Um, uh, how do we know that we lo- how, that we love God and our neighbor by obeying His commands? By keeping his commands That's and right. his commands are not harsh. That's right. They're not onerous. Um, his New Testament commands though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the law of God. <laughs> where did those come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where did those come from? But, but my, my, my point is, I guess just to yeah. echo and, and amen what you said, Joel, is I do think that um, on the one hand, I think we really do need to do a bunch of retrieval, make sure we yes. understand what were the lessons that God taught us in Christendom 1.0 Constantine, Alfred, Calvin, um, you know, um, all of all of these folks, all the way up to our our, our constitutional yeah. fathers here in this land. And at the same time, I agree 110. percent I think that um, in in people like Abraham Kuyper and in um, even our our theonomist fathers yeah, of yeah. the last generation or two have said, who have said, wait a second, there's even more riches in the word of God that apply to all of life. Um, I think that all needs to be brought together, honoring our fathers, honoring the reformed tradition, um, honoring the broader Christendom tradition. And at the same time saying, yeah, not, there were some bugs that need to get worked out. Right. And I would say one of those mm-hmm. bugs that really needs to get worked out is I think is a, is a stronger tie, a stronger connection to the general equity of the law of God, that that's the right. principles that are that's given right. to us there in all of scripture, that's what guards us and goes back to. So how is it that Presbyterians aren't going to get up and uh, end up flogged? Right. Well, I'm, I'm praying <laughs> that a bunch of our Baptist <laughs> brothers who run this ship are going to keep becoming Theonomists like you, Joel, because if they're not, we're going to get flogged because because that's exactly that's right. That's what's going to happen is if we if we do not define love 
That's right. We're we're just back in this. Then, Di- yeah, man Disney, is the measure of all things. No, you're absolutely right. Disney so concentration. Like it's, it's, and that's right. That's the problem. So, and, and for those who don't know, so Stephen Wolf, uh, first, I, I'll, I'll say a couple things. So I, I talk to Stephen Wolf every now and then offline. I'm, you know, there's a lot of different Christian nationalist threads, you know, and, and things like that. And, you know, and, and groups where we're chatting and, and, and talking and sharpening one another. Uh, but for those who don't know, so Stephen Wolf is all millennial. So he's not post-millennial. He doesn't particularly, he, he has problems with post-millennialism um, and he is a, a Thomist. And so he's going to put a lot more emphasis on natural revelation and natural law yeah. rather than, um, you know, theonomy and Van Til, presuppositional approach, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so some of his objections um, are, are, he he doesn't really he doesn't like the reconstructionists he doesn't like Rush Dooney he doesn't like Bonson he doesn't like those so for him it, what what's sufficient is just um, a collective uh, people with natural affections for one another seeking their their true ultimate good earthly good and heavenly good um, the problem though is that uh, Stephen believes that that can uh, that that can be fully ascertained um, naturally. And and although we 100% affirm Romans 1 and we affirm Romans 2, natural revelation and natural law, and Stephen is right in saying that natural law is synonymous with the Decalogue, moral law, the full Ten Commandments. Um, he's right about all those things. But I think for, for me, part of this is where the Van Tillian approach begins to, to separate is uh, I think that Van Til had a, a bigger, more robust understanding of total depravity. Um, that that right. man is not utterly depraved, but every single facet of our humanity has been, there's no part of man that is left untarnished by sin, including his ability to reason. So has God spoken clearly in the created order? Yes. Um, but man's ability to perceive all that God has spoken. So even Romans 1, it says that, that not just that God, ha, that God has uh, relayed the message by what he has made, but that it's been perceived by man. But what elements of the message have been perceived even by unregenerate man? Well, the existence of God, his eternal power, his divine nature. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily um, uh, specifically say that every aspect of his law has been perceived by man, right? And so, um, so the problem is, like, yes, he has a conscience. Yes, he's created in the image of God. The image of God that vestige remains; it has not been utterly lost. And so, but but the problem is that um, the the problem is that man left up. What, what I always tell people when they're like, "What do you mean you're presuppositional?" I just say, "Look, here's the short answer: God wrote a book, and we're allowed to use the book. I don't understand why we can't use the book. It's not a book to Christian people. It's not a, a book just to church people. God wrote a book for all people. So I can go to Caesar. It doesn't matter if you're an unbeliever. I can go to a non-Christian and say, hey, here's a book. God said this. Well, I don't believe your book. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the book's for you. And it doesn't matter what you believe. This is what God has said. You know that God has said this. And, and this is the rule book for life. And so if if we do just say, well, what's going to be lent towards our earthly good and heavenly good, we're going to get some things right. But man's reason is so distorted and so tarnished because of sin uh, that eventually man progressively with culture going away from God will say, well, I think it's good for little boys to become girls. Mm. And and you're right back where, where we started. Man's reason is not going to get us out of the mess that man's reason got us into. So mm-hmm. all that being said, That's you know, right. some people's beef with Stephen is that, you know, they're like, well, I think he's racist. I don't think he's a racist. Right. I, I think he says some things that draw some legitimate racists to the, to, to the game, you know, that attract them. Um, but no, I don't think so. And then, you know, the, the tweet, infamous tweet heard around the world, you know, the lone bulwark, white evangelical Christians. Um, I did not retweet it and clutched my pearls. 
Bills. How could you, Stephen? I knew what he meant. I also didn't retweet it and say, this is great. Uh, I let that one just lie. <laughs> so, all that being said, you know, all, all that being said, I don't uh, agree with all of his strategies necessarily. I, I, you know, but I, I do think that um, he's on to something about, you know, what is a nation, these kinds of things. I think he's off uh, the rails in terms of God's law. In terms of God's law, yeah. so how, well, how we ascertain the law. Of God. And we could keep having this conversation yeah, all day long, but Joel, really do appreciate uh, your work on this. Uh, everybody check out statementonchristiannationalism.com. Appreciate you, Joel. Thank you, Joel. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politics. And I hope that Jesus forgives him just like he does the rest of us. Doug Wilson, Moscow minister and columnist with the Idahonian Daily News. The, the question that confronts us is what does it mean in a disobedient culture to be prophetic? There will be a place for same-sex couples? Uh, no, no marriage. Even though it's the law of the land in the United States? Uh, just like Roe used to be. We want to turn the world upside down, and you don't turn the world upside down by being nice. I believe that we are in, in this polytheistic, pluralistic moment, and the desperate need of the hour is for our Christian leadership to say, Jesus is Lord, and there is no other. Fear no man.